As we were just sitting here together, I was feeling how the the sitting form actually coming into this posture of what we call our meditation posture is a kind of reminder for us to pay attention. It's like that's a, one of the I think one of the values of this of this form coming into this hall together and sitting in this form together, there's a knowing why we're here. <laughs> We've come here to, to strengthen this quality of mindful attention. And so when we come into this meditation posture, if we're not paying attention, we might wonder, why am I, <laughs> I'm just sitting here. You know, which is fine. I mean, it's fine to just be sitting here. But there is something that we're intending for. There's an intention when we come to a meditation. We call meditation or sitting meditation. So it can heighten that um, intention to pay attention, to be here. I was just feeling how, you know, yesterday I had said... You know, let's sit and collect our attention. And today I was feeling how I didn't need to say that because that's what was happening. And people sit down and collect, start collecting their attention, start gathering their attention. And you just feel the, the settling the, and the unifying that's happening collectively through that collective intention. And it's very beautiful. Something that I, I really appreciate that happens on these retreats and in this form that we have this shared um, this shared value, something that we all value very, very much in our lives and it's important to us. And so we come together and share this together, support each other together. And you can feel it. It's in the it's in the field, in the room. And I'm sure you all can as well. So I want to um, point out that we are in the heart of the retreat. I always like to remind us that, um, you know, the first couple of days are, you know, does take a little bit more of that, uh, you know, tap, 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 you know, getting the scooter going, getting the, the motor going which can feel like there's a certain amount of effort involved. We often come here, many people come here and feel very tired. You know, we feel the tiredness deeply that we carry with us, but often don't have a chance to rest this deeply. And so many people do sleep a lot <laughs> at the beginning of a retreat and then feel guilty about it, obviously, but it is what happens is because the, the, the tiredness is so deep in the system, in the body. And then after some time, you know, some couple of days of you know really resting and also the resting through the <coughs> through the meditation, the stillness, you know, there's a there's there's a um, kind of a catching up in some ways, and then the energy starts to come. And we can use that energy for our meditation, for our awareness and investigation. 
and understanding how to balance our energy so when our energy drops, we know we can start to apply some of the wisdom of our understanding to help raise our energy. When our energy gets too high, we can start to bring some uh, antidotes to calm that energy, bring in more tranquility. So we, we, we start to work with that energy more consciously, start to feel and become more sensitive to what's happening in that rhythm of our day. And so here we are, you know, in the, the heart of the retreat, where there is likely that mindfulness has gained some momentum. That there may be, you may be experiencing a little little bit more continuity. There's still probably gaps, (laughs) you know. And and hopefully there's not too much judgment about those gaps. Those times where, where was I just for that last hour, you know. Just the noticing of that, being able to bring that more fully into awareness without the judgment, without the striving, without the expectation. I mean, there may be, and there probably is at times, but we want to see it. We want to notice that and see that that's probably not so helpful as a way to uh, bring more uh, clarity and understanding into our experience. So, so there's probably a bit more mindfulness, maybe a bit more concentration. The mind is able to stay a little bit more uh, focused, maybe a little bit more stability. That happens after, after we're here for a little bit longer. It doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't a lot going on. I'm not saying that it's more quiet. <laughs> but there may be more uh, seeing more noticing of what's actually occurring. Sometimes it can even be more turbulent, more emotional for some people. But there's the knowing of that, there's the more engagement with that. Perhaps less judgment, more capacity to stay present. What happens is that there are more those spiritual faculties operating that uh, Catherine was speaking about the other night. So there's the, the confidence and the, the energy is uh, uh, working a little bit more in balance. There's more mindfulness, more concentration, which is giving rise to more wisdom. And then the wisdom giving rise to more confidence and energy, mindfulness, concentration. And the way that that becomes what drives our practice what fuels our practice more and more. We might be feeling that. And then we can examine this uh, wise view, seeing more clearly and then see what actually interferes, what gets in the way of seeing clearly. What are these attitudes of mind? This is the, the how question. We have these three questions of Am I aware? You know, this sometimes checking, reminding ourselves, am I aware? What am I aware of? Like what's happening? What's happening in this moment? And the third question of how am I being aware? Which has to do with these attitudes of mind. What's what's coloring the mind? What's the mind filled with at any time? And we can begin to see the ways that we're grasping, wanting, expecting, controlling demanding, 
and judging, being critical, those kind of patterns of mind that actually obscure the (coughs) wise view. You can't see so clearly when those patterns are operating in the mind that actually give rise to a distortion or a confusion about the way things are. We're not seeing things so clearly when we, there's a belief um, that I can control my experience, that I can make things happen the way I want them to be. When, I have, when I'm critical of myself, again, it's not seeing clearly. You know, how, how can things be arising any differently? If I knew better, I would do this differently. <laughs> You know, we wouldn't keep doing something if we knew that it was causing a great deal of harm and we knew how to change that. We wouldn't keep doing it. I don't think we're constructed in that way. When there's wisdom, that wisdom comes through. When there's compassion, that compassion comes through. So this this way of beginning to see things more clearly. So this wanting to understand a little bit more these attitudes that are working in the background, these attitudes of uh, what, we'll, what I'll call now this attitude of, of, of wanting, this loba, loba in, in Pali, wanting, or the greed, the, the craving in the mind, where, 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 which leads to strong attachment, holding on, the gripping, the contracting, and the opposite force of mind, this, uh, the not wanting, the pushing away, the aversion, the sometimes hatred, um, anger, you know, which is also this contraction of mind and body. Those two forces that play strongly in the conditioned mind that, that keep us uh, held in a kind of a tight uh, container of, of habit, of wanting and not wanting, and these the way that these two play together and cre- cause a kind of a limitation. Sometimes he, a prison. The Buddha calls it a. Pr- this is our prison. You know, when we get fixated on the things that we think are going to bring us the happiness that we're so craving, and rejecting that which is in the way, which we believe is in the way. And then the third attitude is that one of where we just go to sleep. (laughs) The delusion where we don't even know what is going on. I don't know where I am or what's going on. The confusion, the delusion in the mind. The dullness, spaciness. Just not really here. So as we, as our awareness, as our mindfulness begins to have some more strength and momentum, we can start to notice these very patterns, the way they're operating in the mind, when we're starting to lean in to the objects of our experience, when we're pulling away and rejecting, and starting to know those a little bit more clearly, because this is what the Buddha says is the cause, is the condition that gives rise to our pain. This is the condition that gives rise to our suffering. Is this contraction, is this holding, is the tightening, the fear. That which limits us, uh, keeps us the view narrow and small. We're not able to see 
the wide view, the way, the Dhamma, the nature, the way things are. So I want to read this um, uh, verses on the faith mind, which I, I like to read and I like to reflect on and uh, explore with people from the third Zen patriarch from the 6th century uh, China, um, which you probably heard or may not have heard. But just as a way into this exploration, where this, um, this Zen patriarch, apparently uh, there, these the, there's only like a few verses that were written down of, the, of all of his teachings. And this is one verse from his teachings. The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Good start, huh? (laughs) The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When attached love, possessed love, and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. If you wish to see the truth, then hold no opinions for or against anything. To set up what you like against what you dislike is the disease of the mind. To set up what you like against what you dislike is the disease of the mind. When the deep meaning of things is not understood, the mind's essential peace is disturbed to no avail. When the deep meaning of things is not understood, the mind's essential peace is disturbed to no avail. So this is what we're, this is what I'm here for, this is what I think we're here for, is to understand the deep meaning of things. Because we, we, we are interested in this essential peace. It seems that there is a longing for this essential peace In every living being, we just don't know how to find it. So we are going in all these kind of crazy directions looking for it. And how it usually arises is being pulled into the objects that we like. That we like. Because when we like something, there is this sense that's going to bring me my happiness. That's going to bring me my pleasure. That's going to bring me my comfort. And as we're drawn into the things that we like, you can feel this kind of leaning, this sort of slippery slope of, um, I'm going to grab onto it, hold onto it. We're also rejecting that those things that we don't like because they're interfering with our happiness, with our comfort, with our security. And so when the deep meaning of things are not understood, the mind, the ego mind, I call it ego mind, gets involved with this searching, pushing and pulling and pushing and pulling, looking for that happiness in the things and the objects of experience. We know this is a basic teaching of the Buddha. Many of you know this. And yet, beginning to actually see this, to be able to pay attention to it and feel how this is 
actually operating in the mind, how we get pulled into objects. And here we've been paying attention to the what's happening, which is sights and sounds and tastes and smells and sensations, the body, thoughts and images, and then how we start to get pulled in, almost like the objects have some kind of force field, almost like a magnetism that is uh, determined by our, the meaning and the value that we put on that thing. That thing is going to give it to me. I'm going to have that. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do this. Not that. Get rid of that. And we can feel and sense how that begins to determine our choices, how we move, how we move. Now, in itself, that's how we're patterned. It's actually evolutionary. It's, 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 it's our animal, our animal nature, our animal instinct. We need to be able to discern what is pleasurable and what is displeasurable, what is comfortable, what is not, because that's how we move in the world. We ha- we're very sensitive animal beings. So there's an intelligence in that. There's a, there's a the deep evolutionary intelligence in that discernment, in knowing how to navigate in our world so we don't get hurt, so that we take good care, we are protecting this fragile being. So the actual experience of that movement, moving towards pleasure or away from pain, is not the issue. That's going to be, it's programmed in our DNA. We are animal. We are animal. And we have these instincts, animal instincts, that help us move and navigate in this world. The Buddha was interested in where the problem is. (laughs) Not in the fact that we are designed in a particular way. The Buddha said, what's, where's the problem? Where, what's giving rise to our suffering, the, the suffering in our mind, the suffering in our experience? And what is identified is that when we are drawn to pleasure, it's a slippery slope to attachment. It's a slippery slope to holding on and then rejecting, being aversive, and even sometimes hating and being violent towards that which we think is getting in the way of our happiness. It's not seeing clearly where our true or essential happiness, peace, satisfaction is lives, is located. We think it's out there. We think it's in the things of our experience rather than being an essential, not being an an essential part, being essentially who we already are. We already are that essential piece. That is our nature. That is who we are. And yet, because of the confusion, the optical delusion, 
about the nature of reality, we keep searching somewhere else. We keep looking outside in the wrong place. And that leaning, that grasping, and therefore the rejection, keeps us caught in this movement, which we call, in in these teachings, the wheel. (laughs) We're on the wheel. We're going round and round and round and round. (coughs) Moving, searching, seeking, wanting, looking. And we get very tired, (laughs) very exhausted, because those things that we hold on to What happens? At some point, they're not so pleasurable anymore. Or they fall apart, or they disappear. Whether it's a person, whether it's a possession, whether it's a situation, whether it's a mind state, whether it's the sun shining, whether it's whatever we, a car. Always makes me think about a car, you know, um, if you get a, a newer car and it doesn't have any dents on it, it's like I almost am glad when the, when the first dent comes because then I'm not so attached to it looking like a new car anymore. You know, it's like we're, we're wanting... It, things are changing. So the insight into the impermanent nature of all things that nothing stays the same. Everything is changing constantly not only appearing in our perception, but also disappearing, but it also changes form from pleasurable to displeasurable, and sometimes not so far apart. Something that really felt good all of a sudden feels terrible. I mean, an example would be sitting in the sun. For a while it's great, but then at point gets too hot. And you have to go into the shade, go somewhere where it's a little cooler, because it starts to feel uncomfortable. Or whether we're sitting in a meditation posture, and it's great for a little while, but then the body starts to ache and hurt, and the knees are hurting, the mind starts getting restless. It's good for a while, but it doesn't hold any lasting happiness. It's not the place of security, of lasting comfort. And so we can begin to notice when we understand this is the wisdom or the knowledge of understanding the dukkha, where the the unsatisfactoriness is actually arising. What are the conditions for dukkha? What are the conditions for this unsatisfactoriness? Because otherwise, if we don't understand, if we don't see it well, we're going to keep we're going to be caught in this habituated way of being. It's just habit. The habit is, the program is, is to keep looking for that which is, feels good and reject, turn away from that which doesn't feel good. That's our, that's our instinct to, in order to survive, in order to, to, to stay alive. Spiritual teachings are evolutionary in a different way, where we're evolving beyond our animal 
nature, where we also start to recognize that we are more than just this body and instincts, but we are also what we might call spirit or nature or something much bigger, vaster, more profound than these having to be led around on the leash by all of our instincts and passions and desires and, oh, that feels good, I'll go over there. Oh, that feels great, I'll go over there. Without this deeper meaning of things, the deeper meaning of things. So we want to look to see how that's playing out here, because it's playing out all the time, unfortunately. You know, we just start to see how, oh, um, that's going to feel good. I'll just go out over there and spend a little time over there. Oh, I think I'll just go to my bed. I'm a little tired. I'll just go sleep for a couple of hours. <laughs> or, or the opposite. You know, sometimes we can actually push through, you know, push through pain. Oh, this is really painful, but I've got to sit here and go through it and get through the pain. You know, judgment, expectation, control. You know, maybe take a moment and reflect on how are your strong preferences playing out here. Where do you? Do you is there anything the particular that comes to mind where you can feel where that where the dog is pulling on the leash? <laughs> I'm gonna go over there. I don't want to be here. The kind of the push and pull. It often arises in our meditations. You know, that's kind of a no-brainer. I want to have this experience, but I'm having this experience. I want to have an experience of light and and openness and relaxation and my body's in pain and um, I'm aching and I don't like it and I don't want to be here and why did I come and this was a bad idea and I've got four more days and wanting and then sometimes the judgment the judgment can come very strong we get very upset with ourselves because things aren't going the way we want them to. Somehow I think I can make it happen and I take a, take a lot of responsibility for that. But not seeing the, 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 the greed and the aversion that are operating there, the, the loba and the dosa. So, so beginning to feel the way, and, and we can feel it energetically through the contraction. The mind gets tight, the body gets tight. I'm wanting this, I want this. I can, I can remember it when I did my did a three-month retreat um, at the Insight Meditation Society, and I, this was a reoccurring thing for me. And you know, The lunchtime is kind of a big deal on retreat. It's a pretty stimulating time. There's a lot going on. 
right? And can seem like there's sometimes there's not much going on. It depends where you are in your practice, but you're just sitting and walking and sitting and walking, and then the lunch bell rings and it's wow. You know, the senses are just so stimulated with sights and smells and colors and tastes and people and movement and activity and it's like wow, you know, very exciting. <laughs> And I remember, you know, I always so, so looked forward because it's also the main meal of the day. You know, the evening meals, not, there's not much food. And I really like my food. Not everybody likes their food, but I do. So I would, you know, get my plate of food and it just, you know, looking at all the food and taking it to the place where I was going to sit and looking at the food and starting to eat it and taste it and enjoy it so much. And then I would see that it was disappearing. and I would see and feel that my stomach was starting to get full of the food and I wanted more it's like I want more I want more but my stomach was actually getting filled up and I would be in this kind of tension with myself I want more but my stomach is starting to feel uncomfortable. And I would just see it continue to disappear and disappear. And then I'd look at my plate, <laughs> and it would be gone. And I knew that if I went back and got more, that I would just really be causing more suffering because I'd be putting more food out of more greed into my stomach and then causing more suffering and feel terrible, which I did a few times. <laughs> it's how I found out, you know. <laughs> Particularly we have this one holiday called Thanksgiving. We're supposed to be giving thanks for, you know, um, I'm not even sure what we're giving thanks for. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Giving thanks for something. I think I just spaced it out a long time ago. It didn't make sense to me. (laughs) And so on Thanksgiving, we have these huge meals. I mean, massive. And on the three-month course, since it comes in November, the three-month course is always September to December. So we have this massive meal at the retreat on Thanksgiving. I mean, they cook, you know, ten different... Uh, courses and there's five different desserts and you know they just put it all on and and so of course you're walking in there and just seeing all this food (laughs) especially all the desserts because we don't really get desserts so much on retreat and I remember this one time I just couldn't you know I couldn't stop the greed I just ate and ate and ate you know I was so sick (laughs) For about two hours, and I was supposed to be meditating, you know, like feeling and sensing, you know, paying attention, you know. I mean, it's just when we start to see, again, that, you know, this is going to make me so happy, it's so pleasurable, it feels so great, and then the consequences of those choices. And these are, these are, sort of benign, you know, these are, this, is, this isn't a situation that's going to cause a lot of damage in the long run unless I'm doing it again and again and again. This is kind of a one-off. But when we start to see 
this in motion how we're actually creating the suffering. I mean, it's, it's, uh, if we don't see it, we don't know it. This uh, uh, quote I put up from Sayadaw Utejaniya on the board that I really like, he says, all beings experience dukkha, but only those who recognize dukkha can work towards freeing themselves from it. All beings experience dukkha, but only those who recognize it can work towards freeing ourselves from it. So if we don't see it, if it's not seen, then we cannot do anything to change it. We're just caught. We're just caught in that wheel, on that wheel of repeating the same thing again and again. And and Albert Einstein, maybe you've heard this quote from Albert Einstein, he said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And and that's, that's the confusion, we wonder, why aren't things changing? Why, why is this continuing to happen? But we're doing the same thing. <laughs> we just do the same thing again and again, so the same thing happens. It's not really rocket science. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Which is what, what's so beautiful about these teachings. So we can, we can begin to notice, rather than just being caught in the greed or in the judgment and the aversion through the teaching and the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding we can more and more shift to the location of awareness and be curious begin to investigate with some energy what are these causes and conditions that give rise to our dukkha this is the path the path of these teachings when I was sitting in my retreat with Utejaniya last year at the Insight Meditation Society, and this, these teachings were being um, uh, expounded on, and it was so fascinating to me to you know, see this in a way that I hadn't seen it before, to look so directly at the craving, the way the craving and the grasping and then the aversion and the delusion were arising in the mind, I started to really look at what I would call these simple pleasures. Because I got interested, well, what about these simple pleasures? Because pleasure is really everywhere. You know, we're here at this, in this beautiful place. You know, I mean, the gardens, it's summer, the flowers, the, the sun sometimes. <laughs> the birds, you know, the grass, the smells. I mean, it's, it's the quiet, the silence. There's something that is so really lovely and pleasurable about that. When I was at the Insight Meditation Society, it was springtime, and all the it was the peak. The cherry blossoms were out, the birds, the flowers. It's near woods, walking in the woods, and um, um, just having time, time to sit and have a cup of tea and not to have to do anything, and the pleasure of that. And so I was really starting to feel and, and uh, pay attention to those pleasures because I was interested about where the greed was. You know, where is, is there greed? Is there some kind of way that I'm preferring this to something else and then starting to create some kind of construction 
around my world and making this my world. I want a pleasurable experience, not an experience that's not pleasurable. And then this simple gravitation towards these pleasurable experiences, a slight aversion and rejection of everything else, and I could start to see how my world was starting to get constructed in this way. And entering into a world of my own mind. I brought this up to Utejaniya very courageously. I said, you know, uh, one thing, I was, it was at the breakfast table, and I noticed that every day I would go back and sit in the same place in the dining room, And it was by the window, and at the window there was this beautiful tree that was all in bloom, and there was a bird feeder. And and during breakfast time, they would feed the birds, and the birds would just fly back and forth from the tree, the beautiful cherry tree, to the bird feeder. And I would just sit there, have my breakfast, and watch the birds fly. And every morning, this was a two-week retreat, so each morning, about four or five days in, I was just going back to the same spot. Then I noticed that I was a little concerned that somebody else would get the spot, so I would go in a little earlier and put my (laughs) napkin and my cutlery down in that spot so nobody else would go there. And then I'd waltz in and sit down and watch the birds. And then... I started, you know, getting that, hmm, <laughs> it's a little slippery slope here to attachment. And Utejani, of course, would say that if you're continuing to do the same thing again, you're just reinforcing more greed in the mind. So I thought, hmm, do I want to just, am I here just reinforcing more greed, hatred, and delusion? You know, is that why I've come here? So I started to, so I talked with him about that, and he said, of course, he said, that's, you know, it's not a problem. There's nothing bad around it, or you're not causing any harm. But he said, do something different. He said, do something different to see what you discover about that. So I did. I sat in the middle of the dining room, which I don't like. <laughs> I don't like, you know, we all have our own propensities, and I, you know, I just can't, there's nothing to really watch outside, you know, I'm just having to sit there. <laughs> people are, too many people are, you know, it's the thing that all of us, you know, all of us, but many people feel. So I, and then I watched what happened as I did that. I didn't like it. And I could feel my aversion, I could feel agitation, I, all, and then it was just exactly what he was talking about. Moving towards the pleasure to avoid the pain. So I took it as an opportunity. I didn't go back to the bird feeder for the next 10 days or or week. I just sat and I explored and explored my experience to see what was happening, what was that like. Of course, after the first day, it, it wasn't that bad. You know, it was fine. And then what happened was it just kind of a surprising, because things start to be surprising when we do something different, because it's not the same old thing. So we're learning something new, or discovering something new. So a friend of mine who is also on the retreat, who is near me where I live at home, but I hardly ever see, just spontaneously started to sit across from me. And it was so lovely. And she would just 
go to that spot. Maybe that was her spot, but she was just... (laughs) In the mornings, we would be having breakfast together. And it was just such a lovely kind of meeting in the silence and a recognition of each other. And she's somebody I like very much and wish I had more time to spend with. And so because I moved from that spot into a new spot, a new place, then a whole new thing started happening. A whole surprise. A whole new discovery. Because I was out of that box. I was out of that construction that I was starting to build for myself. And then I, so I started to experiment with that, like do something different. Because doing the same old thing again and again and again is going to give me the same old thing again and again. So this has become a very important teaching for me. As I see myself in these habits, pulled into the force field of these habits, there's more understanding, more recognition that Maybe, maybe there's something else that's interesting. Maybe there's another way. Maybe there's a, another way to, to be, to explore, to grow, to learn. So I want to, um, I want to encourage that for you today. And as we continue on, just to notice the way that 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 pull into the pleasure, the pull into the preference. Not as anything wrong, but perhaps as a way that is limiting. Perhaps as a way that is keeping us caught in some habitual way of being. And that could and may be leading to some, some pain, some problem for us. It may not be. These, some, many of these things are very benign, but yet we can still see where the tendency is there. But sometimes it is leading us into more painful states for ourselves and for others. It's a window. It's a way that we can begin to see so that our choices that we're making are coming more from wisdom than from our habit. And our habits are usually bound up with fear. There's usually some kind of confusion or fear, some way we're keeping ourselves comfortable or safe, but not in a a way that we shouldn't be. But maybe there's a possibility of more expansion. Maybe there's a possibility of something more, something greater for us as individual human beings. Maybe we can begin to know ourselves more completely, more wholly, Holy, even with an H. H O L Y. So, 
I want to do I want to do um, an exercise. I think I'll do an exercise with us, just to kind of bring this bring this in a little bit more. Um, I want to do it through the uh, rotating the senses, and well, today we'll do that standing up, and I'll just I- I expand it a little bit more. So let's stand up. Just feel your bodies just as you're standing up, bringing your awareness to the shift of your posture, just stretching out in any way that you need to. So landing here in the standing posture. Then bringing your attention to the standing posture. <coughs> so letting your hands be in any way that feels comfortable. Let your breath be natural. And then open your eyes and allow seeing to happen. Seeing the light, the colors, the forms. And as you do that, notice if there's any leaning out into the objects of sight. And see if you can allow your awareness to stay located in your body as you're seeing so that you don't lose a sense of yourself, you lose a sense of your location as you're seeing. It's how we can get pulled into an object of the sight. Standing, seeing. You can move around, looking around, if it feels all right, too. The sense of present, embodied awareness. And then notice the hearing. See if you can shift to the ear door. Hearing my voice, hearing birds outside, or the, even the sound of silence sometimes. And notice, too, if there's any going out to try to hear. Utejaniya makes a difference between listening and hearing. He said, listening, there's the trying to listen. (laughs) Hearing is naturally arising. You don't need to do anything to hear. See, if you can feel your body while you're hearing, 
standing. And then let your attention come to the sensations of feeling pleasant or unpleasant in the body. Just noticing the quality of your experience. (coughs) If it's pleasurable or unpleasant, somewhere in between, maybe neutral or maybe changing. Or maybe it's not so easy to discern, that's okay too. And then just noticing the whole posture, standing. We'll do one more cycle to the sights, seeing. Is there any effort in the seeing? any effort in the awareness of seeing. Notice whether the seeing is pleasant, unpleasant, or somewhere in between, kind of neutral. Not the activity of seeing, let's say what what you're actually seeing the object, is it pleasurable, not unpleasant or neutral? And then the hearing. See if you can discern the feeling tone of that, that which you're hearing. Feeling the body quality of the body, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Posture. sit down when you feel
we'll take just a little bit of time for some questions or comments that might be in the room now. question I've been wanting to ask. Um, well, I should say that we need to have a conversation about Thanksgiving. <laughs> Massachusetts. <laughs> Very seriously. Um, she's saying we need, she and I need to have a conversation about Thanksgiving because she's, she's from where the whole thing kind of happened, right? <laughs> <laughs> Understanding that relationship can help us think about using right effort and um, our discernment around that. Mm-hmm. The question is about the, how the word virya, the word virya, is is translated both as energy and effort, and it is um, a, a big, a very very big part of the. It's in the it's in the on the eightfold noble path. It's in the meditation section with mindfulness, concentration, and energy, or virya. So it's really about how we're using our mindfulness and concentration mm-hmm. and how we're directing our mindfulness towards uh, investigating uh, the causes and conditions that give rise to suffering and the causes and conditions that release suffering. So, so or to give rise to liberation. So, so we're, we're really looking at how we're using our effort, how we're using our energy. So it has to do with, am, it's a lot about what I was speaking about this morning. So am I striving, grasping, trying to make something happen where there's the greed, there's the wanting in it? So we're noticing that quality of effort or rejecting, pushing away, you know, or going to sleep. So, so it's really starting to notice the way, the how I am meditating, how, how, I'm, how I'm paying attention. It's not even meditating. It's how am I paying attention. So it's really noticing that, uh, that the quality of energy that I'm bringing to my mindfulness. So what we often do, you know, the, the example is the... Uh, the you know the contemporary example is having a guitar and and tuning the strings so that I'm not making the strings too tight and I'm not t- making the strings too loose so the sound is just right when I play the guitar so we're not we want to watch how we're making tightening the strings which is tightening my mind and my body trying too hard striving too hard and then or how I'm just kind of too lax too relaxed, too passive, not really paying attention, oh, everything's fine, you know. So that balance of activity and passivity is the effort and the energy. Mm-hmm. So, so, you can, so the effort, uh, the amount of effort deter- is dependent on how much energy I'm placing at any given time. So I want to bring that more and more to balance so I'm in the middle, not too tight, not too loose. Not too tight, not too loose. Which requires, it's not that we arrive in the middle. This is an interest, this is an important point. 
because we are so interested in getting somewhere, and it's usually in that the balanced place, really more what happens is that we're just constantly paying attention to what's happening and making adjustments. Just making adjustments. I'm too tight, I'm too loose, I'm too tight, oh, I'm right in the middle. Oh, So that's really more of what our meditation looks like. That's more of what our paying attention looks like. It's just constant adjustments through our understanding, through our attention. Then, then, I mean, that's how nature is. We're, nat- anytime we're navigating, we're just constantly making little adjustments based on the information that we're getting. Not really arriving anywhere. Just paying attention <laughs> to what's needed. Right? So that's the virya. In order to overcome the conditions that bring about unhappiness and to bring about more conditions of happiness. Yeah? Okay, thank you. It's good to have that clarification in the room. Yeah. Yeah, how, how to keep the motivation going, particularly after the retreat, so you get out of bed earlier? Um, yeah, just so the, the motivation is not just, oh, just that's something I do and I have to do it. It's yeah. It's like, I want to do it. Yeah. So connect and stay connected with that thing. That how to be motivated so that he wants to do it rather than it's, I should do it, or something I have to do, some kind of duty. You know, I think that kind of motivation only comes about through understanding. You know, if something, something gets ignited in your heart, in your being, and you go, I, I, w- I want to do this because this is really what's going to transform my, the quality of my life. You know, and, and, there ha- and that comes about through some deep connection and deep knowing about why you're doing this or, you know, what, what's the point? Because if it's coming about through some kind of idea, uh, expectation on yourself, you will resist that. You know, because we don't like to be told what to do. You know, not even by our own mind. You know, we'll resist it. We'll, you know, we'll be, we will rebel. And so, so it might be helpful to understand a little bit more about what's actually happening. You know, why, why you think you should practice maybe reflect on that a little bit more. What's, what's playing there? I mean, why should you? Why should you get out of bed in the morning? You know, if it's just up to you, <laughs> you know, why do it? So you, so you might need to, yeah, just kind of take a little time here and, and see if you can connect a little bit more deeply with your motivation. And what is it? Why are you here? What are you doing? 
and see if maybe that something's there or you wouldn't be here right now. You wouldn't be doing this more intensive practice. So I would, I would be very interested in what is that? What's, what's keeping you here? What keeps you in the practice? And bring it, to, bring it to consciousness a little bit more. And that might actually help. For when you go back, it'll just be, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this practice. And so when you get connected with that, then you will naturally feel pulled to do it. And when you don't do it, it'll be because the conditions are such that it's just not really the right thing for you. And that's okay. But you won't give yourself a hard time for it. take the whole thing in a long way. You could have waited until your breakfast was cold and soggy. You could have put salt on it. You could have worn uncomfortable clothing, an uncomfortable chair. You know, you could you could go a long way with, with that. And well why not in some way? Why you know, try different things and have an uncomfortable breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very hard to sort of yeah. say, I'm going there because it's pleasurable, so I'm going to avoid that. You know, it's somehow... It's just... Yeah. Well, well, let's put it this way. You know, I mean, I'm just taking your example literally. You know, why not put salt in my, you know, porridge or wear uncomfortable clothes or, you know... Let's just talk about probabilities for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just let's just work with that because it's right. I mean, we could absolutely, but you know, I do have this thing about it's. We can always just bang our heads against the wall, right? It just <laughs> yeah, just bang your head against the wall and just deal with the pain of that. But <laughs> but I think I, we don't want to. We don't want to go to extremes. I mean, we could go to extremes. You're right. We could take this a long way, and we're not advocating that kind of. Um, what's it called? It's like ascetic self and self mortification. The extreme of that is self mortification, and those were practices during the time of the Buddha. People believed there was a there was a whole belief system in place that that was the way to enlightenment was through self mortification. So, so the Buddha, and this is a good point. Thank you for bringing that up because the Buddha teaches the middle way, moderation. It's a really important so that we're not going too far to one extreme or the other. So, so these examples that I've been using are, are very moderate. They're not, I mean, we could all think of examples that would be very extreme on either end of the, of the attachment and greed, you know, that are very destructive. And also the other end, which are very painful, very cruel and destructive. So those are the extremes and you're talking about, yeah, we could go anywhere along that whole continuum, right? So, so we're not advocating anything that's extreme or even along that continuum. They just make little, <laughs> little adjustments, adjustments, let's call it that. Little adjustments. Just to see what can be understood and what could be learned in that. Because so much opens up with one little adjustment. 
just doing one thing a little bit differently, sitting a little bit longer, getting up a little sooner, lying down when I would never lie down, taking a nap when I never take naps. You know, it's just those kinds of things. Little things within the uh, continuum of healthy is something that's healthy for us. So that we're just seeing, what does the mind do when I make a little bit of an adjustment? I just even put my attention somewhere other than my breath. Uh, My attention always goes to my breath. What if I just open up my awareness and sense, sense what else is here? You know, little adjustments. So we're talking about increments, actually. <laughs> Incremental adjustments. So I'm really glad you brought that up because I can, you're absolutely right. We could take this a long way. And we are not advocating that. So thank you very much for your question. So it's really clear. <laughs> Maybe one last one, yes. Oh, yeah, then Chris, and then we'll... Mm-hmm. Um, Keith. It seems to me that the... Um, it's funny how this conversation sometimes sort of coalesce ideas. It seems to me, I thought, that a simple way of um, sort of dealing with this thing about self-mortification and, uh, uh, as, as the extreme of um, not being attached is to say something like um, that... We welcome all wholesome things, all good things, um, but not when we start to when we turn those good things into something bad by being really um, attached and craving them. Yeah. So to, to sort of avoid the danger of going into sort of um, that misunderstanding of equanimity as just complete disinterest and that doesn't matter what the place looks like. And, right. Uh, we want wholesome things completely and absolutely. Yes, exactly. I mean, we're really cultivating wisdom. It's only wisdom that leads to wholesome things. It's only wisdom. Otherwise, it's confusion. When we do anything that isn't for the good, it's confusion. So, yes, it's a very, very good point. We don't want to just keep cultivating the same old thing again. We know the outcome of that. It's what? So terminology, I guess. Yeah. All the problems around that, but I think um, my um, determination and effort was often, um, um, I think, it was confusing it with something more rather too sort of brutal and yeah. counterproductive. Yeah. And I'm beginning to feel that actually there's no such thing as being too relaxed. Uh, it's more like something else that's going on. Yeah. It's not being too relaxed. It's maybe just some distraction or some, 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 some denial or some, some confusion. Right. Some, some fear. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a, I think that's a good point, yeah. I think, I think that's really a good point, yeah. 
Yeah, so just keep, keep following your own experience there. Yeah. Yeah. Just one last one. Yeah. In a way, I feel the way you and Catherine structure the retreat, we're placing a lot of responsibility on our own wisdom. And compared to a sort of strict Zen retreat, we have no choice. You've got to go at three in the morning. Uh, whereas you're sort of saying, well, take care of yourself. Listen to yourself. But that, that was a lot of responsibility, I think, on me in terms of saying, well, you know, that needs to be let grieve or let me be drawn. I can let myself be drawn in any direction and go there right. without fear of being reprimanded or being judged. <laughs> and then the responsibility is on me to say, well, you know, where am I? <laughs> What's happening to me now? I'm supposed to take care of myself. I need to sleep, so I'm going to sleep for a couple of hours, and that's all right. But is it all right? Um, <laughs> it's, it's very demanding. We ask it also ourselves, well, what am I doing? <laughs> am I being compassionate to myself now? Am I following a habit? Am I strengthening a habit? Um, and so I think really creating an enormously difficult or challenging framework for me to anyway adjust or to, to work with my practice within, but I really always have to, have to inquire and question my activities. Right. I, mean, I, mean, I think it's about habit or habit. Am I to look at my habits? Am I driven by habit or, or, or greed or am I being driven by compassion and awareness? Uh, this is very, very difficult. So beautiful. Yes, that's so beautiful, Chris. I think you speak for many people in the room. Yeah, it's wonderful. Thank you for that, because that really sets the stage for the day. Yeah, wonderful. So maybe things will get a little more interesting, or maybe not. (laughs) Thank you. We'll end now, and have a really good day of practice. And we have the groups are continuing, so those who were met Uh, with us the day before we'll meet with us again so please do check the board to see when you're meeting and um, enjoy your day Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.